Spread love. Doom, doom, doom. Spread love. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to POV with Kristen Gilmore, where I interview interesting people that you and I are getting to know together. This podcast was created to enlighten, enrich, and inform. The basis is to spread love and extend God's grace to yourself and others. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of POV with Kristen Gilmore, where I interview interesting, and you already know, fascinating people. Today, I have a special guest with me. You all know how I like to introduce you to people who matter or mean something to me, people who inspire me by their doing. Well, this particular human, gentleman, man of all men, is just that kind of person. He is a doer. He is a creative. He is a supporter of others. He's the one who stands in the gap, who falls back and allows others to shine, lifts you up when you're having a dark day, and doesn't require you to lift him up because he knows how to do it himself. So on. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Kristen. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So I met someone at my second job. You know, I'm a, I'm a lady who does a lot of things that I'm called to do. Uh, we may not even talk about the specifics of that. I just want you all to know how I know this man. Um, so one, I just, you were a person that I knew I wanted to have on this show just because when I first met you, you said something that stood out to me. You said that you wanted to make sure that we made another coworker look good. And a lot of people don't see life like that. It wasn't about you. It was about another coworker looking good by our accomplishments, doing our job and showing up. And from that moment, I said, oh, he's the kind of person that I want to know because he's a man who stands behind other men and knows how to get others to stand behind him. Have you always been that way? Um, I, I I would say that there are, I've grown into this role. I think when in my younger days my ego was a lot bigger, and I and I felt like I needed to shine. But as I got older, I've realized that I I'm always going to shine regardless. So I think it's better to promote others and help others find their own light their own get their own recognition because i i stopped caring about getting recognition a long time ago i it it comes or it doesn't so if i can help others look good i'm gonna help others look good and then it'll eventually trickle down and come back to me it took a while but I, i finally got to this point do you remember when that shift happened oh probably i would say probably when i hit like 25 i think because at, at that point at that point in my life, so I, I coach basketball and I've been coaching basketball since I was 21 and I'm 28 now. So it's about like eight years going on nine years. And as an assistant coach, I always wanted the recognition for the work I was doing and I never got it. And then once I became a head coach, it, it stopped really being about me, even though I was the, the, the focal point and the person in charge. I just wanted to make everyone around me feel good and feel successful. So at every moment, you know, if 
I was being thanked for how how often my kids show up to the gym. I would say it's not it's not on me, it's on my amazing parents. If I was thanked about, you know, my team just looking good and looking organized, I'd say, hey, it's not on me, it's on my assistant coach, on my captains for holding it down. So I feel like once I hit that point, that's when everything changed for me. That's so interesting. You know, I wrote down passing along the praise because that's what I feel like you were doing. You were like, what I didn't get, let me make sure that other people get. Of course. I think I think at, at we, we as people, we can always take credit and take people cheering us on all the time. But, you know, we got to give some love out, too. I think it's it's better if we are passing out as much as as is given to us, you know. Yeah. Can you, can you in a, sum up? I don't know. It's it's a weird question, but it's a question I always ask everyone. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Now, this isn't is not a job interview. This is just a foundation <laughs> of who you are. Oh, man. Uh, well, you know, Brooklyn native. Shout out to Brooklyn. You know, I'm a Brooklyn baby. Uh, I'm a brother to three marvelous oldest sisters who have taught me so much and have groomed me into the man that I am today. I'm Haitian. So shout out to all my Zoes. You know, I, I love, I love where I come from. I love the history of my country. Uh, I am the loving, a loving uncle of two beautiful children, a niece and a nephew. They are amazing balls of joy who make me want to rip my locks out, but I never do. I am I, I'm a sports enthusiast. I love playing sports. I love coaching sports. I love the the science of sports and just understanding what it takes to build a successful team. And I've I've used that for life. Sports have been part of my life since I was four or five years old. And I think any everything and anything can go back to sports, whether it be a business, whether it be whether it be a restaurant, whether it be a school, whether it be a anything can come back to sports come back to one person being in charge of the logistics then another person being in charge of the actual business i i i think of that all the time when i'm running my own programs i think of okay if i'm the the gm then or if i'm the head coach then my boss is the gm or the owner and everyone under me are the players and how can i bring out their best the best in them how can i bring out that untapped potential and skill that they they don't even know that they have so that they can better service people i think my overall goal in life is to always bring out the best into uh the best from others into whatever they're doing yeah i guess that's a bit about me that's powerful information i love that you said you are um a baby brother to three wonderful sisters and you're so proud of your Haitian heritage. Where does that pride come from? Oh, it came from it came from my mom, and my dad. We they taught us from from young that you know it's us against the world. Like no matter what, I always got them. No matter what, they always have me. And as a baby, I remember my dad telling me about like our heritage and that how much Haiti has done for not only the U.S. but for the world in general. The first slave country to gain their independence and not only gain their independence but gain independence for other countries such as Cuba, Guatemala, Dominican Republic, the list goes on and on. And then how how much trauma Haiti had to deal with from 
being the first country to gain their own independence, having the U.S. and France and England put embargoes on them and on their products just because they didn't want to, they didn't want Haiti to incite riots in other countries as well from other slaves who see this proud country, proud country of former slaves fighting to get their independence. And that pride has pushed on to me as an, as an older man and knowing my heritage and knowing where I come from, that has helped me a lot in life. It put a chip on my shoulder that I think is necessary. You know, in, in, in the midst of this chip that you say that is necessary, you're such a quiet, you're a quiet, confident man. Um, and I respect and love Haitians. One of my girlfriends is, and she's so proud of her country for those exact reasons that you spoke of. I always think of Haiti um, for its resilience and its strength and its ability to love and to share everything that it has. And I'm so grateful that your parents showed you what you come from and who you are and to be proud of that. I'll say that that's something that I as a Black American struggle with and may always just because I don't know exactly where I come from. And when you don't know where you come from, where your ancestry is, what your name truly means outside of, you know, my maiden name is Gilmore. And um, I don't know what slave owner, uh, what country he came from, owned my family and gave us that name. But I will tell you that I married a Senegalese man. Um, Jai is my married last name. And I feel closer to my culture and where I know I originated from through him because he like you has that quiet strength and confidence in who he is and I think it has something to do with knowing your roots and knowing all of you and, and who you're from and and the, the lineage and the soil that you come from. Would you agree? Of course. I, I agree with that. But I mean I I think with with confidence, you know, like when you're truly confident in who you are, you don't need to be loud about it. Like when I walk into a room, my head is held high and I know what I come here to I know what I came here to do, regardless of what I'm there for. Like I know that no matter what happens, I I have done the best of my ability. And my heritage, it has blessed me and it has promoted me and gave me a sense of swagger and a sense of confidence because of I know I had a great example of a strong Haitian man before me and my dad and you know, I thrive to be a strong Haitian man myself, and I feel like I'm achieving that goal. But I also know that there's a standard that I have to uphold myself to. As a black man, especially me, I'm a bigger, I'm a bigger, I'm 6'2", 260. I'm a big guy with long dreads, and I know what it's like when people walk into a room and they see me. Some of them might be scared, some of them might be intimidated, but I, I try my best not to intimidate, but also let them know I, I come from business. Like I come here to do a job. I want to do my job successfully. I'll be very nice about it, but I'm also not to be trifled with. I think, I think that's what my overall goal is. And I think I've learned that early on. I think I carried myself very well. I agree from what I've seen and what I've experienced in you, you do just that. You do just that. I've got a question for you. For sure. All right, you told me that you are a baby brother of three older sisters, and you've told me about how your mom and your dad have been so influential in making you the man that you are. Share with me one of your fondest childhood memories. Oh, man. Oh, man. 
All right. So when I was in the seventh grade, I chipped my my front tooth playing basketball on my block. And the way my block is set up is we have an alleyway and that alleyway is essentially our backyard. So literally everyone on all the kids on the block, we've all played together. They've been, those are my friends and those are my brothers. We've been friends since we were in the fourth, fifth grade and we are still friends now. And I chipped my tooth playing basketball. And, you know, I got a lot of, none of my friends laughed. My cousins did because my cousins are jerks, but uh, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm upset. I walk into the house. I'm I'm angry. My sisters look at me. They go, "What happened?" They go, "I was like, I chipped my tooth." They're like, "So?" It's like, "Well, like, what does that mean? It's it's nothing. You're not bleeding. You're not hurt. Why are you why are you upset? Why are you crying?" And I didn't understand it at that time, and I didn't understand why they were telling me not to to be upset. But now, as I'm older, I'm like, okay, there's a reason why I never got the gap fixed not really that important to me just like in that moment I learned that there are bigger things and more important things like the worst thing that happened was I chipped my tooth it's something that's not important at all <laughs> like it's something that didn't really mean anything but at at that time it meant the world and my sisters from jump told me listen you probably look better with the with the gap than you did with without it so I embraced it <laughs> and we laugh at we we've learned to laugh at painful moments and find the joy and the good and everything and you know that's just how we are as siblings and how we are as a family i mean i'm grateful that you were confident enough or you thought enough of your sisters to take what they said for face value you were like oh oh okay and like you said even to this day, you could have gotten it fixed, but you've chosen not to. Yeah. Do you think that now it's just become a part of you or a part of your story? Yeah, I don't think I don't think I could. I don't think I can see myself getting it fixed. Like the same way I couldn't see myself getting contacts. It's just who I am. Like at this point, the chip tooth is one of my signatures. Chip tooth, dreads, and glasses. That's my that's my signature. Big three. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I, you know, oftentimes a lot of people's scars or their stories, um, everyone's story isn't seen. Some people's hidden. People wouldn't know the story of my feet unless I take my shoes off. But, uh, well, so on, I'll share it with you and everybody else. Come and on, all my listeners, they've probably already known this. I have long, flat feet. And uh, when I was growing up, I always wanted to be able to fit my mother's shoes. But my feet were bigger than hers. <laughs> So I'd squeeze my poor little ten and a half now feet into uh, my mother's shoes and they turn my toes. So my toes now go, you know, in the opposite direction of which they're supposed to, because it was hard for me to accept the fact that at, I don't know, 10 years old, my feet were so long and flat. And now I've done damage to them. I'm fine. They're not, you know, atrocious or anything, but who cares? Even if they were, they're my feet. And um, it's taken me a while to embrace them, to accept them, and to love them. Uh, and, and if you ask my husband, he'd be like, you're exaggerating. But for me, that's my story. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I, everyone's got their, their own story. As someone with big feet myself, I wear a size 13. I I wore a size 11 as a sixth grader. So as a as a fellow bigfoot bigfooted person i understand your pain you know thank you because i remember when we were doing this experiment 
And they were saying everyone with this size feet or more, you know, come and get in this group. And I will tell you, had that been five years prior, I don't know which line I would have gotten in. I can't say it would have been the truthful line of where my feet fall. <laughs> I would have probably been in the wrong line and people would have been looking down at my feet like, hmm. <laughs> liar, liar, pants on fire. Um, tell me this. Is there a memory or a moment that you can think back on that molded you into the man you are today? I would say there's a couple different moments, you know. Uh, so the first moment was, you know, I, I went to a Catholic high school, not by choice. I wanted to go to Midwood High School, which is a public school in Brooklyn. I also wanted to go to Brooklyn Tech, which is another public school. But I was the only one out of my siblings to never go to Catholic school. So in order to, one, put me in Catholic school and also to keep me out of trouble, my mom basically decided that I was going to Catholic high school and I really didn't have a choice. So in, in Brooklyn, you got you got to take a, the Catholic school test in order to attend Catholic schools. And she goes to me and she tells me, listen, you're going to take this test. You're going to you're going to you're going to be in the top percentiles of this test. That way you can get a scholarship and then you're going to go to Catholic school. I had no choice in the matter at all, and everything she said came to fruition. I finished, and I had one of the top 10 highest grades on the test. I went to in four years of uh, a semi-prestigious high school, Catholic school in Brooklyn called Severian, and I got my high school diploma. I hated it to this day. To this day, I hated it, and not because... I didn't like the school. I made some great friends and some great connections and I learned a lot. I hated it because I got to physically watch people not live what they preach. The whole premise of the school was about brotherhood and about looking out for your brother. But at every turn, I watched people not looking out for their brother. Uh, I played football and as well as basketball. And my senior year, we had a a sophomore on the team, the best player on the team. His name was Speedy. He's from Canarsie. He's from the hood. He was only going to the school to play football. And he broke his arm in a game the week before. So he, he it was well known that he had issues with his math, with his math teacher. So he basically just would go to the bathroom during, during his math class. He goes to the bathroom and none of the deans would let him use it. He goes to the bathroom on every floor. This is a five-floor five floor building, and none of the deans would let him use the bathroom. So he pees in a Gatorade bottle and puts it on the floor. He gets expelled. Our football team didn't win a game for the rest of the season. Now, knowing what I know now as a adult, I knew, for I knew from jump that they did not they were looking for an excuse to kick him out of school just because, you know, if he's not healthy enough, why is he on a football scholarship? Tuition at this school is $10,000 a year when I went there. So that's $40,000 for all four years. And they're even more expensive now. And I learned at a very early age that, you know, you can trust people, but don't be too trusting of people and understand that regardless there are regardless there are things that people will use you for people will use you for how hard you work people will use you for 
your intelligence. People will use you for your athletic ability. And regardless, just don't get out of character. Maintain the same person you have always been and you will find a way out. So that's one moment that really taught me a lot about people. Interesting. Interesting. Do you know his story now? He he ended up going to Curtis High School and he won the literally literally he left our school, went to Curtis, and the next year when he was eligible, they won back to back high school championships. And I haven't connected with him recently, but I'm sure he probably got uh, he probably got a D one college college scholarship somewhere. The kid was talented, like. Uh, it was like it was like watching a blur on the field. Like we couldn't touch him. Other teams couldn't touch him. And when he when we were together, when we were as a unit, we were un, we were literally five. We were the five and zero or six and zero going into like our bye week. It 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 was crazy. Wow. Mm, mm, mm. I hope that that experience didn't make him bitter. It just made him better. I mean, I hope so, too. It's easy to be better dealing with people, you know. I've had moments where I was bitter. I had moments where I was just jaded and not my same happy, lucky, smiling self. But, you know, you always got to get back to good energy. Always got to get back to good vibes. How do you do that? I I need to be alone. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, a I need to, I need to, sorry about that. I need to be alone, honestly. Like there, there, there are plenty of moments where I need to just sit down and censor myself, be away from people, take, take a nice walk, listen to music. I, I need it in order to keep myself sane. Doing, doing the line of work that I do, working with kids, I have to always be on, not only for the kids, but also for the parents and for the administrations at all the schools I'm at. I have to always be at a hundred. And so when I'm not, around them, I need to find ways to just be at 50, to be at 20, to be at 10, and just unwind. Yes, I that, I've, I think I've, I've learned that over the years. I can't, I don't have, not that I don't have the energy I did have when I was 21. I think I still have the energy. I just don't have the, the ability to rebound as quickly as I could. So I need that time to just recharge my battery. I need that time to just shut my eyes and just breathe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I totally get that. Yeah, Did you have that, another story you wanted to share? Uh, you don't have to. That, I, I, no, I don't have a problem, problem sharing. So we lost our mom when I was 15. So the summer after my freshman year of high school. And I was very angry. Not angry because, like, I didn't know what was happening. I was just angry at the world. There was like nothing I I was not I didn't I didn't care at this point. Like I didn't care about school, I didn't care about football, I didn't care about sports, I didn't care about anything. I just wanted to not to be bothered, honestly. And I had a lot of teachers who I had as a freshman that I now had as sophomores who were just like, mm, something's off with this kid. He's not usually like this. And my guidance counselor, really cool dude really cool dude he was uh mr perez he was also a baseball coach me and him had a great relationship and he calls me to his office and he goes he goes to me he goes your grades dropped 20 points in this trimester 
and he he just we were just talking to me. He, he was just talking to me. He was telling me, listen, I know something happened to you, and I'm sure you probably don't want to talk about it, but this is the right place to talk about it. So I opened up, I told him about everything. And then he tells me to wait and he brought in a senior on his baseball team who lost his dad from cancer as well. And me and the senior really talked for about like an hour in his office. And he just told me that, you know, the same thing happened to him and it took a while for him to get back to his normal feel and how he felt about things, but it would happen but to just to stay focused, regardless, we have to achieve. And it was at that time that I realized that grieving is something that you have to allow yourself to do. You know, you have to give yourself that time to be upset, be sad, cry, be angry, punch a wall, do whatever you have to do, but eventually you have to get back to your norm. And if you can't get back to your norm, you need to find ways to get back to your norm. Whether you got to take off from work, whether you got to take off mentally from school, but still manage to get everything done, you just got to get back to your normal thing. So that's, yeah, that's that's another moment that really changed me and changed the way I think. Swan, I'm so sorry for your loss. Thank you, um, I appreciate it. Man, your mom, she did such a great job. Thank you. I think so, too. And your sisters, you know, they, you know, God knows everything. And the order in which you have three queens raising a king, it was prepared before that day ever came. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I Mm. can't, like, I can't really say, like, how thankful I am for them. Like, they have really blessed me insanely just by being there yeah i can i can see it in you in your character how how respectful you are um of all humans um but also how you look out for and make sure uh women you know i see you as my brother are being you know taken care of and uh being protected just in who they are. And so if there ever is a woman who is blessed to call you her husband, she is in for one of God's greatest gifts. Thank you. I really do appreciate that. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Speaking of which, um, how can people get to know more about you, Sawan? You can uh, follow me on Instagram, Instagram, and or Twitter, both of them are the same. It's underscore S H W E E Z E. Schweez has been my nickname since I was in junior high school. It's underscore S H W E E Z E. You know, that's all it would have to be because I don't know anybody else who's named Schweez. Now, look, we got to talk about this. How did that become your nickname? Okay, so it, it it it's really not like a, a really fancy story. Like my one of my older cousins, Ralph, me we and me and him been really close since we were we were young. We're only we're literally six months apart exactly to the day. He was born July thirty first of ninety two. I was born January thirty first of ninety three. His birthday is my half birthday. My birthday is his half birthday. 
And so I'm leaving middle school on the last day of school, you know, got my yearbook signed by everybody that I knew. And I'm walking up his block to hang out, hang out with him, his brother and our other cousins. And he screams from his balcony, yo, Shweez. And I just look, I'm like, what? I'm like, what's a Shweez? Who is, who's a Shweez? And then he says, you're a Shweez. I'm like, what's that even mean? It's like, yep, it's sticking and it's stuck. And I've been Shweez ever since. And to the point that a lot of my, my friends don't, my literally my friends don't even call me by my regular name. Most of the time it's just Shweez. Oh my goodness. Okay. That's a great story. Um, you're squeezed from now on. I'm just playing. I don't think I've earned the stripes just yet, but one day, one day I'm going to earn the stripes to be able to call you squeeze. I'm going to work hard for that. I'm going to work hard for it. I appreciate that. <laughs> one last question. If there was one thing you'd want people to take away from meeting you, what would that be? Ooh, that's a very good question. Um, I want people to, one, always look out for people that they love, you know. I know it's something that, like, you're expected to do, but sometimes a lot of people don't really do that, you know. Whether it be someone you love from, just you just love them as a coworker or you love them as your brother, you love them as your sister, always look out for them. You don't know what they're going through. And if you can make their life even remotely easier, try to do that. Help Help others, you know. That's that's key to life. The more we help, the more good is being brought into the world and being brought onto you. So that's one thing I would tell people to do. That's wonderful advice, Swan. One day I'll get to call you your name. I almost said it, but I know I'm, I'm still working. I'm working on that privilege. Um, <laughs> well, as I give every single one of my guests, I'm going to give this to you from the depths of my soul and so much gratitude. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is this is dope. I, I really enjoyed this. this is my first ever podcast. So I enjoyed you allowing me the chance to talk and be a little bit more open. So thank you so much, Kristen. You're welcome, Sawan. It's from who you are, the energy you carry, and um, the, the character of the man that you are. And that I give a lot of props to your family, just like you said, the people who looked out for you because they love you. Because everything that they poured into you, you are given out. You are given out to the world. And I'm just grateful to be one of the re recipients. All right, beautiful people. You have met another gem in my book, another soul brother, another human being that the Lord sprinkled a little extra on top of. And that is so on. My hope is that you've walked away from listening to him and his story, knowing that you should allow yourself every emotion you feel, but just don't stay there. That you can have a cool nickname that just comes out of the clear blue sky and it'd be all right. <laughs> and most importantly, to give to others and to look out for the people that you love. I hope you take away just an ounce, even one thing, one word of wisdom from this this man who's going to leave his mark on the world. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of POV with Kristen Gilmore. See you next time. Bye. Ha. Ooh.
हाँ 